This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Instant Analysis, this time following Alabama's 49-26 win over the 20th-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Saturday afternoon at Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, The Crimson Tide off to a fast start. The kind of start that you wanted to see from this team on the road gets out to the 28 to nothing lead there in the second quarter. And that's even with the injury to Bryce Young there in the second quarter. You had a short field that was set up by another punt return by Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, Jalen Milrow did some nice things in relief of Bryce there initially. The defense was playing at a very high level, doing what it needed to do against K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders and the rest of that Arkansas running game to keep things very decidedly in the corner of the Crimson Tide. But then you had... The 75-yard touchdown drive for Arkansas just before the end of the first half, and it seemed rather innocuous at the time as if, well, yeah, Bryce is out of the game, but the defense, for the most part, is playing at a high level, getting off the field on third downs, forcing a takeaway on a very nice play by DeMarco Hellams there in the first half where he also had the forced fumble to go along with the fumble recovery. So even with that late touchdown there in the second quarter for Arkansas, at 28-7, to you still think you're in pretty good shape, but then... Special teams issues, and once again, a very mixed bag kind of where the special teams are concerned because McKinstry was great on punt returns once again. You did have a field goal miss by Will Reichard, but look, that's a 53-yarder off the right hash. It had the distance there in the first half. It just stayed out to the right. For a first miss on the season, if you're going to have one, 53 yards out is pretty understandable. Uh, But the special team snafus there. Uh, in the third quarter, and you knew that Sam Pittman was going to roll the dice in the kicking game. He did it last year. It's a 28-14 to game. He's trying to steal a possession there in the third quarter. Perfect execution. Give Arkansas a lot of credit on that onside kick. Perfectly executed. I thought that Deontay Lawson and Treshawn Holden Your two middle-of-the-field guys there on that front line of that kickoff return team, perhaps they've done this in some previous games, and that's why Arkansas went where it went with the onside kick. Looked like maybe maybe they drifted back a little early, anticipating a deep kick and maybe a return. And in this era of kickoff returns being very minimal, there's just not many kickoff returns that that happen these days so many touchbacks so many fair catches because you get the ball at the 25 you know those guys up there on that front line they got to stay they got to hold that because of the potential for the onside kick but again more credit to Arkansas because that was perfectly executed from uh, their perspective but boy from that point forward it felt like it was about a full quarter of just hanging on for Alabama 
You know, Alabama did force a red zone field goal at the end of that possession that followed the onside kick. So still at 28 to 17, you're feeling okay. But then you have the catastrophic punt snap from Neil and Hibbett. And Hibbett's been good during his season plus on the job. You know, he handled that job a year ago as a true freshman. He's been good so far this season, but not exactly sure what happened on that snap, but it was not good. And then it's compounded by James Burnett, perhaps the Australian, not being familiar with situations like that in American football. Perhaps he's been coached on it. Perhaps that scenario has been outlined and covered by Coleman Holtzler and the Alabama special team staff, but goes back and falls on the football at the three-yard line. Um, You know, obviously right there, he had time that if he kicks the ball out of the back of the end zone, you know, the safety right there is a better situation than obviously falling on it at the three, and then Arkansas goes in. Next thing you know, it's 28-23, and you're wondering if Alabama's going to have an offensive answer because offensively, Alabama had drifted into this mini abyss that was similar to Texas from September the 10th, but third and 15 from their own 20, and again, Give a lot of credit to this Alabama offensive line. Yes, Alabama rushed for 317 yards in the game. Yes, 242 of those were in the fourth quarter. And around 225 came on three plays. 270-plus yarders from Jameer Gibbs. And then the one we're about to talk about, Jalen Milrow on a third and 15 Gets really good protection. Again, I thought Alabama's offensive line, five on five and picking up even blitzes Saturday, that's about as good as we've seen that in a couple of years probably. And give a lot of credit to Seth McLaughlin stepping in there at the center position for Darian Dahlcourt. Give a lot of credit once again to the rotation of guards with Javion Cohen and Tyler Booker, Emil Echior. I think Javion was flagged for a couple of holds. One of them wasn't accepted, but... Uh, the tackles, those guys are, are playing at a very high level right now when you talk about J.C. Latham and and also Tyler Steen. So I thought it was a really good day for the offensive line. There still wasn't the consistency in the run game that we've heard Nick Saban talk about. Uh, but when they needed it, especially there in the fourth quarter, uh, they were able to create some opportunities, even on the scramble, again, by Milrow. He had lanes to work with, and he was able to get in sort of a one-on-one with Arkansas inside linebacker bumper pool, and I think we all know how that was going to turn out as Jalen flips the field, gets it down there inside the five, a little bit of a harrowing situation on the play that followed. I guess it didn't matter because Arkansas was off sides on the play defensively, but I think that was supposed to be a run play on first and goal and it was a zone read, and it looked like Jalen pulled it from Jace McClellan. I believe that was Jace. And then he tries to throw the slant. The ball gets deflected. It seemed like that ball was in the air for 30 minutes. But, again, you did have an offside on Arkansas that would have helped Alabama had that resulted in a takeaway. But the Alabama run game led by Jameer Gibbs there in the fourth quarter and Jalen Milrow, the difference, and, again, you know, This isn't to put it all at the feet of the Alabama offense, some of the struggles that we saw throughout this game, because 
this is an Alabama defense that, despite its experience level, despite its talent, really, on that side of the ball, continues to go through stretches of its own where it's just inexplicable, some of the mistakes, like the personal foul on Henry Toa Toa there in the fourth quarter. These are things that can't happen. You know, it's not young players a lot of times in these situations. These are veteran players. These are leaders. These are captain types uh, that, especially on the road for whatever reason, it's been problematic, and Alabama ends up with 10 more penalties in its latest road game for more than 100 yards. Uh, Defensively, I thought Jaheim Otis played at a pretty high level, Uh, the true freshman, we didn't see Justin Aboigby on that defensive line. Apparently, Justin did not make the trip. We were more wondering about Byron Young with that ankle injury, and Byron played a good bit in the game. Uh, you saw a pretty strong rotation. I thought Jamil Burroughs at times. I don't know if it really showed up statistically, but he was in the vicinity a couple of times in some pass rush opportunities. So it was good to see him involved. Thought he did a good job with his opportunities and you know, from a tackle perspective, Henry Toa Toa with 10 more. Uh, Jordan Battle, we had some questions about his availability going into this game. He played. It looked like he had one of those hamstring straps on to help him out. Dallas Turner with a pretty big game, eight tackles, two and a half for loss. Jalen Moody with eight tackles, two for loss. Otis with eight tackles from the defensive tackle position. One of those a sack of K.J. Jefferson there. I believe that was in the third – no, that was the fourth quarter. That was about the time that Arkansas went ahead and got K.J. out of the game. Will Anderson with seven tackles, a tackle and a half for loss, and a half sack. So, nice production. I thought the corners held up very nicely. I know Kool-Aid got quick snapped there uh, in the second half, it looked like, on a go route that ended with him picking up a pass interference penalty – Terry and Arnold, I believe, was in coverage on the touchdown pass uh, to end the second quarter there for Arkansas and get the Razorbacks on the board. But all in all, I thought those guys showed considerable growth in this game. Six tackles apiece, excuse me, six for Terry and Arnold, five solos. He did have a pass breakup. Kool-Aid, yeah, six tackles for him as well. A couple of pass breakups. Helms had the force fumble and the fumble recovery. So, you know, for the first time under Nick Saban, Alabama doesn't come out in the black in turnover margin in a road game against Arkansas. They were even. One takeaway apiece for Alabama and Arkansas in this game. But it really felt like Alabama <laughs> was more like minus a couple because of the special teams issues there in the third quarter. But Alabama survives, lives to see another day, and it doesn't get any easier, as we know, in the month of October. Texas A&M, boy, the Aggies, struggling. Maybe it's going to be Mississippi State that's uh, the the tougher game of those two because State pretty much put it on A&M in Starkville Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, A&M dealing with the loss of Anaya Smith. We'll see how these injuries for Alabama impact things because when you talk about important players on this Alabama football team, well, Bryce Young is far and away at the top of the list. Now, all due respect to Will Anderson, but if it's Will Anderson that goes out early in the second quarter instead of Bryce Young, I think it's a different game 
for four quarters. Again, Will's great. Will's an all-timer. But you're talking about the most important position on the field and the best player in the country at that position in Bryce Young. And so uh, even Bryce's interception there uh, in the first quarter where it looked like Alabama was going to go down, get right in the end zone, set the tone, uh, that was a situation where it looked like Treshawn Holden got held up a little bit. I, we can have the debate of whether or not it was holding or P.I. Um, he got the one hand up. It ended up being deflected and going for an interception. But, you know, Bryce, after throwing for 559 against these guys a year ago, he had 173 passing yards in just a little bit more of a, than a quarter of work, a quarter and change of work. And the drops were a problem for Alabama receivers on the positive side, sticking with the young player theme, which I thought was the most encouraging aspect of this game. Jaheim Otis, Jalen Milrow, um, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry Arnold, Tyler Booker. You can go to a number of spots on this football team. Linebacker Deontay Lawson. Uh, and it was good stuff from young guys. Um, and Kobe Prentice certainly would qualify, I would say. Kobe Prentice and also Isaiah Bond getting deep for 53 yards there before Bryce went out of the game. But after Bryce left the game, it was just 65 passing yards for Jalen Milrow. Now, only nine attempts, and you also have to consider there were more than nine called pass plays because Jalen on a couple of those hit some big plays uh, with his legs as a runner, as a scratch as a scrambler so you take that into account as well but encouraging stuff from those receivers the drops Cam Latou had one Treshawn Holden had a couple Ja'Cory Brooks definitely had one on an extended play with Bryce there in the first quarter that was just perfectly thrown and then a back shoulder throw uh, there in the second quarter that I think Ja'Cory would tell you they had the coverage they wanted, and Bryce went exactly where he wanted with the ball. I thought put it in a really good spot, and Ja'Cory couldn't come up with it. So the ball on the ground a little too much where Alabama's receivers are concerned. But, again, when you have Jameer Gibbs going Sean Alexander against LSU in 96 there in the fourth quarter, it makes a lot of what ails you a lot better. And so Alabama rushes for 317 yards, five rushing touchdowns. You know, for Jameer, that was his first two rushing touchdowns as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, he did that on Saturday, and he also lost a, he lost a rushing touchdown uh, to a holding call on Javion Cohen. So it could have been a three-touchdown day for Jameer Gibbs. Um, you saw – uh, Jace McClellan take a shot that took him out of the game. So you saw some Roydell Williams a little earlier in the game than what we'd seen the previous two weeks. And, um, you know, those guys, other than Gibbs, it was a pretty quiet afternoon. Jace, six for 11 yards. He did have the touchdown run that paid off the 77-yard run by uh, Jalen there in the fourth quarter. And that was some really nice blocking once again, boy. I thought Emil Echior and Seth McLaughlin on that play really opened things up, and you know that was able to get Alabama some breathing room there at 35 to 23. And uh, the offensive line again, I I thought it was a, a really solid performance. N- not always spectacular in the run game, but man, when they hit it, 
they hit it big with uh with Jameer and, and these backs in general. You know, Alabama had three runs of 70 yards or more, well, 72 or more actually in the fourth quarter Saturday. And a year ago, Alabama did not have a run <laughs> of 70 yards or more. I think it's four now on the season, right? Because Jace went 81 against uh, Texas in Austin. So there are still some empty carries for this run game. But when they do hit it and when they run that outside zone to the right to Jace McClellan and and Emil or Tyler Booker over there, they usually get the job done when they – when they do produce the explosive runs. And, you know, Alabama finishes the game with 555 total yards. Again, 242 of those in the fourth quarter alone, and those were rushing yards, 242 on the ground. Third downs, Alabama continuing to do a good job defensively for the most part. Started out really good. One of seven, Arkansas started the game. They finished the game, though, five of 16. So they made good on five of their final nine attempts. Uh, Alabama on third downs, nine of 14. Red zone defense still... A positive, I'd say, for Alabama. Forced a couple of red zone field goals uh, in that area. And then Alabama, as far as scoring opportunities, uh, when it had chances down inside the red zone, uh, did a pretty good job in that regard. You did have the one field goal miss by Will Reichard, but that was... uh, you know, that was from 53 yards. So when you talk about red zone opportunities, Bryce Young, eight-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Uh, Jalen Milrow, three-yard touchdown run there in the second quarter. Um, later in the game, you had Jace, three-yard touchdown run. So did some good work in the red zone when they did have those opportunities to settle for touchdowns instead of field goals. And look, you know, it's just uh, college football 2022 in a lot of ways. I know we keep waiting for sort of this all-time performance from the Alabama defense. I think we're still going to wait a little bit longer before we go there with this defense. But it's just these these patches, these stretches uh, that for Alabama are keeping it from its ceiling. And it's important to remember that this is week five. But it's also important to remember that you got A&M coming up, and even though that game doesn't look as uh, treacherous as it did back in the preseason, it looks like A&M and Alabama still going to have both going to have some quarterback questions going into the week uh, for both teams because the, the A&M offense has just been wretched to this point obviously from Bryce's perspective what is the situation with that shoulder you know post game Nick Saban made it sound like or he did basically say yeah you know Bryce has kind of had this thing happen before and you know it's been fine in relatively short order we'll see as we get Texas A&M week underway and it wasn't the only injury it's easy to kind of get lost in the Bryce sauce and understandably so again given his importance But when you talk about important guys on this football team, um, Brian Branch is right up there. Just all-around football players. You're not going to find many better than Brian Branch. He goes out of the game. Looks like he took a shot to the head-neck area. He was no-goed there. So Alabama is put into a situation where, okay, 
easy enough Malachi Moore to the uh, star position, but then you got to figure out some things in the dime. And you know, you heard Nick Saban post game talk about there was a series there, I guess, where. Uh, even Kool-Aid had to play a little bit at the star because they were a couple down, but then they get Malachi in that role. And Devontae Smith, Devonta Smith comes in uh, and works in the dime package. So, you know, we'll see what Brian Branch's situation is for the upcoming week. But reassurance in knowing that up front, you've got guys like Seth McLaughlin that got that experience late in the 2021 season. He's able to step right in there and and do a really solid job as a starter if needed. Um, You're not in a panic mode with your offensive line because you are developing some depth, some really quality depth there at the interior positions. It's a little bit tenuous still there. Uh, maybe a tackle, but interior-wise, you feel really good about that. And you know, now that it's over, and now that Alabama has survived it again, you can look back and think, "Wow, what, what an invaluable experience for Jalen Milrow in this game." And I don't know if Jalen Milrow's the next starting quarterback for Alabama post Bryce Young. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I know he got a hell of an opportunity in a tough spot on the road and. You know, Alabama finished the game on a 21-3 run. Now, again, Jameer Gibbs had a lot to say about that. Uh, But I was impressed by the way Jalen hung in there. And it wasn't too big for him. And when it was third and 15, and it was starting to feel a little bit like 2006 in Fayetteville, instead of 2000 and, say, I don't know, 20, a couple of years ago, Jalen Milrow didn't hesitate. When he had an opportunity to make a play, he made it. And so from those young guys, and, and you talk about Milrow and uh, McLaughlin stepping up and uh, these young corners continuing to progress and some guys thrown into the fire because of really key injuries on both sides of the ball, there are some very, very nice positives to take from it. Certainly a ton of things still to clean up. That was not a championship caliber performance, but it was the kind of game championship teams have to navigate. Sometimes more than one of them. Just look at Alabama a year ago. I think where you might have concern is that you thought Alabama had moved past that after last season. And it's not quite there yet. But again, there is still a long way, long, long way to go. And nothing's a given when you go on the road in the Southeastern Conference. You know, this was a matchup of top 20 teams. Look at Columbia, Missouri on Saturday night. Missouri going into that game against Georgia, you could have made a strong argument for Missouri being the worst team in the SEC. I'd probably still go Vanderbilt, but, you know, you're you're splitting hairs, I think, when you're looking at Vanderbilt and Missouri. And there's Georgia down 10 in the fourth quarter and has to save itself to get a road win over Missouri on Saturday night. Elsewhere in the Southeastern Conference, um, boy, Auburn not great with uh, double-digit leads. Uh, LSU comes from behind a win on the Plains, 21-17. to It's become a day-to-day thing at this point in relation to the job status of Brian Harson, and this won't help matters. Not with Georgia coming up next for the Auburn Tigers. Really good game early. If you just like running the football and physicality and 
what you would consider by today's standards to be throwback football, retro football. Kentucky and Ole Miss delivered that. Kentucky with an excellent opportunity late to try to win that game on the road. Will Levis loses the football for Kentucky. Ole Miss recovers, and they're the Rebels. The Rebels going to be a top-10 team this week, maybe? You think Alabama goes back to number one in one of the two polls at least? Well, if we're using the same criteria that we used for elevating Georgia ahead of Alabama, perhaps. Now, I think Georgia in those first couple of games was maybe more dominant than Alabama has been. But, uh, boy, Georgia, it hasn't been a cakewalk for the dogs the last couple of weekends. Kind of stumbled past a Mac opponent at home last week and then in absolute survival mode in the fourth quarter at Missouri on Saturday night. So there you go. That's going to do it for the latest edition of Instant Analysis. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. And again, we'll keep you updated on injury-related items. Uh, Everything that we know as we know it, you will know right there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter, Tim Watts, Hank South, Kirk McNair, and myself. We're going to do our very best to keep you updated on all things Crimson Tide. You definitely want to hang out with us there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. And if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, well, you need to do that as soon as you possibly can as well. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Travis Ryer, thanks again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.